0: All right. It's game time. Good morning. morning. Let's uh, meander to our seats and then we'll say a prayer. Here we go. That's better. Here we go. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, you fulfill our every desire by coming and taking on human flesh and joining us in this world to rescue us from sin and death. We pray that you would fill our hearts always with a longing for that life which only you can give. We pray this in your most holy name. Amen. Amen. So there's a couple of announcements ahead of time here. Marilyn has a sign-up sheet. The sign-up is to help out with the logistics of directory photos. So we need folks sitting, I think, up here. Um, not, not this Marilyn. I'm sorry. Um, this, was an, this was my generic point, And there's just too many. I was likely to hit a Marilyn. It was possible. That Marilyn. Um, and we don't need, yeah, sorry. Uh, so we need folks to sit and direct traffic and... Um, you ask people to fill out a form, basically. And then when it's their turn to go or you hear it's their turn to go. That's it. You're a receptionist. Yeah. That's all it is. And there's... I just want to say, though, there's four pages. So if there isn't room on the front... And Tom Heck says... Please sign up for the night. You know, no, they don't have very many people. So it's, I mean, so... <laughs> so it's low, low responsibility, and you get a chance to see a bunch of St. John folks. With else and have fun with that I always... try. You, you, I don't know about you. Uh, I treasure the opportunities to... Uh, to have a reason to talk to somebody that I haven't talked to before, right? So here you have a chance. You get to know their names and find out a little bit about them. So do that, and then the other Marilyn, got it. Um, the Garden Club divided up the plants that were in the plant. They started out as a plant in each big pot out front. Now there, are, there were many after the year. There are still three children of that, those plants available. Where are they? Out in front. So if you see one and you want one, you can take one. They have to go stay inside for the winter, though. Okay. What else? Do you have any questions? Um, great. So we're going to... This is such an interesting uh, challenge, this Bible study. Um, and I... We'll see what happens today. So here's what we're going to do. Everybody have, everybody have the handout? We might get to the text today, but I want to spend a little time going back to something that um, we hinted at early on, and that is the character of love stories, or more broadly, I think you could say the character of stories in general, um, which if, they, if finally a story doesn't pertain to love in some way, it's really not very interesting. Right? Well, at least you can test that, test that hypothesis. So, on the front page here, you have three qu- or two questions. Well, three questions, then an "or," and then a question. And this is, reflects the change in my way of thinking about this lesson. And so, I have another question for you. But here, the first, the first question, the first way to think about what we need to consider today is: what's the problem with love? And I want to consider that question both in the context of Song of Songs and in the context of love stories stories generally. Okay, so hold that thought in mind for just a second. Now, question number two um, gets, at, gets at it in, in a different way. So you've heard a lot of things about love so far. You've heard a lot of things about Song of Songs so far. I'm going to try and experiment right now. i got this fancy tablet, and I'm going to write on the screen. Yeah, I know. Except when I press the button nothing happens. So, there we go. Okay. Do you see something behind me? Yes. Yes. Okay. You see my password? <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> dot 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 dot. Okay. All right, let's try this. So, what do you what have you what have you gathered so far either about Song of Songs in particular or about love in general from the perspective of Song of Songs? This is a really broad question, and I'm looking for really broad answers, or specific answers. Any kind of answer works. What have you taken away so far? It's it's tough, right? Uh, It's something you yearn for in in that, uh, like many things, you really don't appreciate unless. Okay. Um, yeah, there's a whole bunch of songs that talk about that, right? Um, appreciate it when it's gone. Okay. What else? Kirby, we are gonna say something. Love is difficult. Love is difficult. Hang on. This is gonna be the problem: is that I'm gonna want to write too much now that it's so easy. Love yeah. is difficult. Okay. Good. Hang on to that. Yeah, surely. Many times we have to seek and Seek and find it. Okay. Yeah. I'll just write that down. Here's a sense of being treasured or adored. Okay. Which you don't often always see. Okay. So we've learned that a valuable part of love is being treasured adored. and adored, right? Known. Known. Yeah. Last week, Pastor Nelson talked about had the, the fascination with the body, right? As one, was one component of being adored. Okay. I guess the vulnerability. Okay. Of, of adoring, or loving. Okay. Um, it goes both ways, right? Both adoring and being adored, right? So if you're open, if you're open to being adored, then at least some part of your who you are is determined by what this other how they regard you. So then, then you see the real problem with. We get to the heart of the problem with the distinction between love as um, giving and love as using, right? So if you're open to being adored, it means you're also open to being used, right? Love can be selfish and, you know, in this day and age when love is selfish, it can lead to abuse. Yep. But that's not love. Yeah, and but it's self- but being, people- No, 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 selfish, if you say love, can be selfish... But that's not love. Okay. It's self-love. Put yeah. it love also- they- Go ahead. Go ahead, Shirley. <laughs> it, it also has, love has to be the proper time. Yeah. Do not awaken love until, What's, how's that line? I love it. I think- that you stir not, that you not stir up or awaken love until it pleases, right? Now, there's interestingly, I have to tell you this in the interest of um, full disclosure there are all kinds of different translations of Song of Songs, and some of them don't read the same way. So, this verse is also translated as that you not stir up or awaken my beloved until he or she pleases. I prefer this translation just because it Sounds better. It's cooler. Um, timeliness. So there's a time for love. Okay. Um, so th- this notion that love can't be selfish. Okay. So so you get at the point right away when you say, well, if it's selfish, it's not love, right? It's if it's self-love. If if love seeks my if I'm seeking my own good in loving, then I'm not really loving. I've destroyed love. I'm doing something else. But the fact that we can even say this sentence, "Love can be selfish," we can say that, and it makes sense. It's sensible to us. Um, gets at the, one of the hearts of the problems with love, right? So, what makes love difficult? It's that it so easily becomes selfish, at least in one sense, right? That's one of the problems that we face with love. Okay, what else? Now I think I think it's notable. So what of these things do you see in Song of Songs? Do you see the do you see love being difficult in Song of Songs? No. In Song of Songs love is easy as can be, right? It's it almost seems ideal, right? Um, so when you say love is difficult, you're drawing on your own experiences of the world. Now think about the intersection of those two things. So Song of Songs pictures for us a perfect love, at least you know, not knowing any rest of the story, just in their admiration for one another. It's perfect. Um, you know from your experience that it's, not, that it's just not like that, right? So what do you do with the intersection between those two things? How do you manage that? Um, and that's that gets at the the first question there. How do what's the problem with love? How do we try to fix it? Okay. Here's the here. So bear with me. That's this is one chunk of questions on the top. What's the problem with love? One chunk of questions. Or how do you feel about love? Or here's the third question. Okay. Write this down if you have a pencil. What makes why is Song of Songs different from other love stories? Okay. Or is it different from other love stories? And one of, the, one of the important ways to answer that is how does it deal with this problem? Okay? So let's brainstorm a bit. How do you deal with or how do people deal with the problem of love? You can choose to just not do it. Yes. So how does that, how does that look? Keep people at a distance. Yep, I can't, this is, I, I shouldn't be doing this, but I can't stop, okay? Um, keep people at a distance, isolation. And what's the thought process that precedes that? How does, that, how does your thinking go before you say? I don't want to be hurt. I don't want to be hurt. Uh, nobody's, nobody's gonna love me anyway. Yeah, right, I'm not worthy of love. Nobody's gonna love me anyway. What else? Are there other other, other, ways, other ways that thought process goes? It's like the things the way I do them. that's right i'm you know I l- like not being I like not being vulnerable to somebody else i'm not very good at it, and so forget it right um, it's much easier for me to just get along with myself. you know that you've, you pastor Briswick mentioned about a bible study on Sunday this new phenomenon of sologamy right <laughs> if you ever get a chance to YouTube the videos of these things they're the i mean on the one hand, the earnestness with which somebody can stand in front of a mirror and say, "I love you because you are kind and generous and I want to spend the rest of my." Like, in utter seriousness, somebody's doing this, um, that in, in, a, in a way, is just sort of an extension. It's the natural conclusion of um, saying, "Forget about loving anybody else. It's not possible. I can't, I can't do it, right? So what's my solution? Just going to focus on me. Right? This is, this is uh, all very common, right? just going to focus on me. What other ways do you deal with the problem of love, so, you know, as opposed to choosing not to do it? Are there other ways? Erin. I guess we should prioritize it, like just thinking of, I see some about the mother, who's like the overbearing mother. Sure. Where it's like, I like, love for my child, everything, my whole world. Yes. You know, Child yeah and then it just gets twisted into right right and in particular so this is a, this is a great example in, in particular it is about her sort of destroying herself for the sake of the beloved right which happens all the time in other relationships how does so how does that go in other relationships how does, how does this misprioritization result in the, the death of me? Besides, Besides the mother and the child, yeah. A woman and a man, a woman who, yeah. Be right. Right. So finally you say, one, one possibility is to say, I have to give to the point of death even, right? I have to give to the point of death. I mean, this is, so in John, this morning, John 15, Jesus says it. Greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friend, right? So if you say, I want to love, I really want to get it right, what does that imply? It implies finally dying, right? Do you see that, do you see how that can happen? Uh, think about all these, think, so if, name a love story. Any love story, Beauty, Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on to that. I'm going to name a love story. Okay. <laughs> I did this wrong. Thornbirds. Um, uh, we need love stories that I know. Okay. So um, Hosea. Hosea. Okay. So now the problem with Hosea is that it's a divine love story. So we have to hold on to that for just a second. Romeo and Juliet. Perfect. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Now Romeo and Juliet's an interesting example because in that love story both lovers die, right? What does their death represent? What does their death signify? What does it tell us about their love? It's true. Yeah. It reaches its fulfillment. It's fully realized. It's finally really love when they die. Okay? Surely. It's treated with caution. And yet, death totally takes it away. Right. So, so, go ahead, Holly. Okay. So, there's another good. We have to we have to talk about more of these stories. But think about what happens. This is going to set the framework for talking about these stories. They, the story is set up so that love is finally realized. They finally succeed in loving one another when they die. But now they're dead, right? Now they're dead, and they're not there for each other anymore. There's a, there's a period on that sentence, right? Go ahead, Holly. And Oedipus. Oedipus. <laughs> that, one's a, that one's a tricky one. Um, twisted. So, I mean, so Oedipus not realizing that it's his mother, right? Falls in love with his mother. Um, but as with so much Greek tragedy... Um, somebody's, somebody's going to die, if not everybody, right? Because finally, how else can you have either justice be served or the fulfillment of, of love? So I was reading, I haven't seen the movie Moulin Rouge. Have you seen this movie? It's got Nicole Kidman and um, the guy. Ewan McGregor. I was going to say Obi-Wan Kenobi. But, uh, and... The movie ends, not to, I mean, okay, I'm going to spoil it anyways. It's an old movie. Uh, she dies. She dies in the end, right? And this is, as with so many stories, this pinnacle scene where, the, where whatever they shared, their love, as they describe it, comes to fruition. Uh, I was talking with Mary about Lord of the Rings. Okay, so you know the story of Lord of the Rings. There's this interesting dynamic between the elf, Eowyn, Arwen, thank you, who cannot die, elves are immortal, okay, and Aragorn, the dude who can die, and she says, she says of him, I would rather, I wrote it down, share one lifetime with you than face all of the ages of this world alone. So she's saying, our love finds its fulfillment when I accept my death with you, right? Mortality Death is the final, the final act of self-giving. Okay. What other examples? Think about any love story you know. Think about it. Opera, in opera in general, right? Yeah. I mean, any classic, any any classic drama, is going to have this theme. Um, Le, yeah, Les that's exactly right. Yeah. Okay. So tell me how that. <laughs> Please. <laughs> he does. The only one that could Interesting. Okay. And, he will die die. Die. A love story. and then he lets her go. Oh, yeah. but of course, that's it's very right. yeah. tale. That's right. Magically. Okay. Die, and he's like, magically. So and that's what you need in in so many of these stories to prevent you from like going out and crying, or worse, right, is you need some sort of magical magical intervention. Or I was thinking about the story, the song Love Story, or the movie Love Story, you know that movie from the nineteen seventies? How does this movie? What's this movie? The whole movie is about a love story. Is nothing other than a ghost story, right? Yeah, love is never having to say I'm sorry. But this whole story is about how she's going to die in the end, right? right, right. Okay, so now, uh, you, so you know it from the get-go. You know that their that their love has this final culmination where she's going to die, and yet he's going to. You see him. The opening scene is him sitting on the bleachers, reflecting on this, holding on to, cherishing this experience. You know, there's a sequel to Love Story, which was a f- complete flop. Why? Because she's already dead. Right? So, so he goes on and marries somebody else. And then, what does that do? It destroys the sense that the love that they shared is going to live forever. Of course it's not. Right? <laughs> Pastor Nelson mentioned the movie Phenomenon with John Travolta. You know this movie? There's a great... A of lines, He re- remembered it. I didn't remember it. He, um, John Travolta is going to die. And he says, Will you love me to the end of my life? And she says... I will love you to the end of mine, right? So he's going to die, and she's going to keep living, and then what, right? So there's this sense um, that love finds its fulfillment, its pinnacle in death, but then we don't really know what to do after that, right? Stories, so I was even thinking of really uh, trite, or uh, child stories. By the way, I mentioned a book, Last week, which I mistakenly called Little Brown Squirrel, it is actually called "I Love You Because You're No Because You're Mine, Because You're Mine" by Sally Lloyd Jones. Okay, another kid's story, "Where the Wild Things Are." Okay, what do the monsters say to the What do the wild things say to the boy as he's about to leave the island? Yeah, we love you so much. We will eat you up. We love you so, right? It, it's it's only finally in um, either him leaving or him saying and being being eaten up. We use this expression all the time, right? I Love you so much I could just eat you up, right? Which is uh, why do we say that? Why? What do you think? Do you... you ever had somebody say that to your kids about, about your kids before? <laughs> like we had, we would we would go. Occasionally, uh, we were going to a chiropractor for a little while, and there was uh, a, a PA or somebody there who would we'd bring in Teddy, and she she wouldn't just say. <laughs> Ask Jessica about this sometimes. She wouldn't just say, oh, I want to eat you up. She'd say, I just want to beat you up. Like, I just want to beat the snot out of you. She'd say, this was her ex- expression. <laughs> really strange, really unnerving when it's your child, right? <laughs> right? She got the phrase, perhaps she got the phrase wrong. Or maybe she was just expressing, I mean, I don't know, the sense that, that finally, only in, in the destruction of one or the other is love, is love, find his, it's weird, right? It's also weird in this sense too, so you have um uh you know all kinds of stories where one lover dies but, um and that's an that's an expression of this is the fulfillment of their love, but you also love stories where another a lover takes the life of their beloved right to to secure this this moment this pinnacle right- um, re- really i mean. It's perverse. It's perverse. And this is how we, you know, we say love can be selfish, of course. But this is one of the ways you solve the problem of love. This is one of the ways you get around It's by destruction, right? You say, this is only going to be real. This is only going to be true. This is only going to be eternal, perhaps, if we reach, if we get to the end. And the end is death. Okay? You see what a problem that presents, right? Okay. Now, I wanted to share with you um, a couple of other ways that this, this uh, appears. Do you know, ter, open, take your hand out there. Let's see. Turn to the second page. On the right, in the right column, um, in the right column on the, sec- the second paragraph there Lynn Lin-Manuel Miranda's Tony acceptance speech. You remember this, you maybe you saw this last year, Hamilton won. Tony, for you know, he won for best musical score. Yes, Barbara. I just want to go back to what you're saying. when Christ says greater love has no man than he gives his life for his friends, yeah. I mean that's the ultimate love, according to Christ, is when he dies. Right. His life up for somebody else. So that's. That a, I mean, the love is death. That's absolutely right. So now we have to we have to figure out what the difference is between that. Right, the love in John in John 15, and all these other stories. Right, what's the difference? Okay, no, that's good. I'm glad you mentioned that. Hang on to that thought for a second. Okay, um, it's giving away the ending here. Um, maybe you remember this. I'm going to play it for you because it's part of it is how uh, emotional he gets when he delivers this. Okay. You ready, Mary? There we go. My wife's the reason anything gets done. She nudges me towards promise by degrees. She is a perfect symphony of one. Our son is her most beautiful reprise. We chase the melodies that seem to find us until they're finished songs and start to play. When senseless acts of tragedy remind us that nothing here is promised. Not one day... The show is proof that history remembers We live through times when hate and fear seem stronger We rise and fall and light from dying embers Remembrances that hope and love last longer And love is 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 love, is love. Cannot be killed or swept aside I sing Vanessa's symphony, Eliza tells her story Now fill the world with music, love and pride Thank you so much for this Okay. So, perhaps you'd seen that before. Um, what, what, uh, what's your, what is your reaction to it? How do you feel about it? It was especially in, in the context, in the wake of the shooting at the, the nightclub in Orlando. Right? It was uh, the next day, I think, maybe. So, so, what's your reaction? He's really upset. He's really upset. Yeah. Right. So in in the heart of this sonnet is the tragedy, right? Come in full fully facing the fact of death and tragedy, right? It's not so in so many stories, in Beauty and the Beast, say for instance, in the Disney version, you can just you can just sort of gloss over it, right? You can just you can just navigate around it because you got magic. Or or the suspension of belief, right? Or suspension of reality. Suspension of disbelief, that's what I mean. But he's, here it is, right in the heart of it, right? When senseless acts of tragedy remind us that nothing here is promised, not one day, okay? So this is what, this is what he wants to deal with. By the way, uh, evidently, this is a really, profound, a really profoundly constructed sonnet. So, so sonnets have typically a certain number of lines, Shakespearean sonnets, at least. And then you get to this line where he breaks the rhythm and meter entirely, um, in, in, intending to show that love is what can break the pattern, right? To break the pattern of senseless tragedy and violence. It's interesting. He starts with his own small world of love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And pushes it out to like love is love is love, like the big, which is the big buzz phrase of less, like. I uh, hear that everywhere. That's right. Yeah. So it's really interesting how he took his own specific. White, love for his wife and son, and then yeah. pushed it out to the broad, the broadest way possible. That's right. So he sees in but his, um, yeah. yeah, in his own story, he sees right. how love is triumphant, right? How it succeeds in doing good things, and so he pushes that forward into the story of the world. Rachel. Um, I just love how music yeah. Right. I mean, there's a, there's a reason that, that, there are, that love songs are, you know, the, the biggest medium for expressions of love, right? And in the church. Absolutely. Yeah, right. And in, interestingly, I think if you... So in love songs, you can get away with saying things that you would otherwise uh, find really s- silly or, uh, like, hyper-romantic or, you know, that you, you wouldn't say to your buddy... You know, any other time, but evident when you're on stage, you can sing it, right? Um, so you're right. I mean, music is music is the medium for expressing love. For Lin Manuel Miranda, at least. What else? In spite of the fact that so upset, he has lots of hope. He has lots of hope. Holy and grace remembers that hope and life lasts longer. Yeah. they cannot be killed or have it swept away. That's right. It gives, I mean, it just gives courage. That's right. So now, here, I'm going to press you a bit. We rise and fall in light from dying embers. Remembrances that love and let hope and love last longer. Is that true? So so he's suggesting that although we have experienced this senseless tragedy, that love, uh, you know which he sees in his, the, the, his family, that love can push through it, that love can get beyond this, that love can overcome it. Is that true? It's only the Lord's love. I mean... Right. And really, our love is a gift. It mm-hmm. depends mm-hmm. on who's saying what's supposed Yeah. Aaron. Well, I guess... So, I mean, there's two things that we can do in his mind and, like, are to remember mm-hmm. and to hope and to love that those are just, those are only between one another and those are only as an individual who's living in this world. I and mean, it's sort of like, I mean, I guess our human, our human perspective, it's like in 500 years, ago, the relationship is dead. That's exactly right. Down, it's dead. Yep. So that version of it, right, right. It doesn't have to do the way. It, yeah. It, it, so we can we can um, be really hopeful, but there's there's a boundary for our hope when it comes to love. So we can say, ah, this tragedy has brought us together, and it has given us a way to express love anew and stronger, and to be hopeful for the future. But there's a boundary for that, right? There's an end, which is you know the end of our of of our memories, the end of our lives. They, I mean, so at some point, even this beautiful picture that he has of his relationship with his wife and his child, even that's going to come to an end, right? Aaron? Well, I guess it's something I've been thinking about lately is like our culture doesn't know how to deal at all with death and tragedy. And so I mean, I'm thinking about like, like um, somebody's killed on a team and the next year you see, like I'm not, that's fine, whatever. But it's sort of like, okay, the fact that we have a patch on our arm that says, like, ER, and it has, you know, we're going to take a moment of silence. It's sort of like, look at what we're doing. We're just like sticking it to death. Yeah. I like, no, you're not. Is, that's right. That's exactly right. Um, so there is this sort of innate belief that we have that we can stick it to death. If by no other means than by than by love, take a look. But we'll go back to the first page. I ran across this book. It's just stumbled across it. It's on the left column, and I thought it just did a, such a great. The author did such a great job of describing this belief that we have. He calls it erotic faith. Okay. Now listen to what he says. In Norman Mailer's *The Executioner's Song*, the murderer Gary Gilmore writes from death row to his incarcerated girlfriend, "What is to become of us, Nicole?" I know you wonder and the answer is simple, by love we can become more than the situation. That assertion of the power of passionate love by a despicable wretch exemplifies what I call erotic faith. An emotional conviction, ultimately religious in nature, that meaning, value, hope and even transcendence can be found through love. Erotically focused love, the kind of love we mean when we say that people are in love I use the term erotic not in its narrow sexual connotation, but to indicate broadly libidinous desire and a passionate, sometimes romantic relationship with or affection for or attachment to another person. Men and women in the hold of erotic faith feel that love can redeem personal life and offer a reason for being. Okay, so this is just this is just a fact. This is how we this is how we think about love, um, and you you you. See it in Len Manuel Miranda's speech, he has faith in love, right? He trusts in love and in, um, you know, in the face of any tragedy. You, you, the, the sense that we can, by holding on to this memory, we will never forget, right? Of course, you do forget. You do forget. Um, and even if you did remember, your memory is not the same as reality, right? Your memory is not the same as the real thing, okay? So now this all is, sounds very dire. Um, what keeps Song of Songs, well, as we consider Song of Songs, what keeps us from being similarly pessimistic about the love in Song of Songs? Why don't why aren't we saying, yeah, but they're going to die about Song of Songs? Fancy. Cynical and say, I know that after marriage, they are going to find that things aren't always hunky-dory, and they are going to be going just to, to and find out that true love means more than this passionate, thump, 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 my heart is and, um, well, they're either going to dump it, or they're going to really grow in what would be more real love, where you really accept the person, and care for them, and, you know, accept them with all their diverse personality traits, and everything, yeah, ultimately, get fulfillment when you die and that, and that job, that relationship is, has been completed. Sure. Yeah. Okay, so so you can you can say um, about Song of Songs, well at least we have a mature we have a mature understanding of what love should look like, right? And this if it doesn't grow into or doesn't mature into um, you know something more than passion, something something more than f- desire, then it's you know, it's gonna fail. Here's an, so here's another way to frame the question. Um, what makes Song of Songs different from any other love song or any love poetry? What makes it different? Or is, is there no difference? Do you not see any difference? I don't think it's subtle. It just puts it out as blatant. Okay. But there are lots of expressions of love, love stories in which, you know, there's, we just go skit straight to the point. I love you, right? I love your body. I was thinking about that song. What's that song? I'm in love with the shape of you. It sounds like Song of Songs, doesn't it? Right? The, uh, my bed sheets smell like you, right? It sounds like Song of Songs. What's the difference? Yes. Yeah, I guess because it's biblical, and we see that this is this is godly inspired love. or no, I don't know if "inspired" is the right word, but um, and it's just kind of like, I mean, maybe to reframe the question: How do we have hope for a Christian marriage aside from you know uh, that the people who are, are not in Christian marriage? Like, what differentiates us in that? How like, do make a covenant God? Sure. That's our hope that he's in this relationship too, and that by the Holy Spirit, like we are able to give what normally humanly able to give. Um, that doesn't answer how specifically. Well, I, so it, it does. It gets at it, and I think that this is. So this is going to sound trite, but um, the reason it's different is because it's in the Bible. And what and what does that mean? It it doesn't mean it's because it's in this collection of books. Right? But it means it's because it's a part of the story. It's within this narrative. Um, so, and, what, and what's the character of that narrative? If, if, you, if, if you were asked, what's the Bible about? What's the story of the Bible? What would you say? Okay, God is love. It's a love song, love story. Okay. There are lots of love stories, right? What's that? Say that again. The king, he says, the king has brought me into his chamber. Right. There is a reference to the uh, Bible. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the love is loved. Because... And, in, and in Song of Songs, by, by the way, we, we don't always get to see this, in, especially in English, but there are lots of connections between the language of Song of Songs and other parts of the Bible. So it's not just like it's not just sitting there, but it's connected to the rest of the Bible. What's the story, though? What's the story? Redemption. The, re- the redemption of the world. redemption of the world. From the fall, the whole rest of the Bible is God sending his son. Right. To, re- to die so that we can be back as part of his kingdom. Right. So it's a story that, come, again, like Lynn manuel Miranda, comes face to face with death. Okay. If it, wasn't, if it didn't deal with death, if it didn't ask the question or try to answer the question of death, it would just be another romantic love story, right? Which we thoroughly enjoy. Go ahead, Barb. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son to die. Right. Mm-hmm. And so think about then what differentiates... Um, this story of, of redemption from other kinds of stories, okay, of, of other stories of redemption. Um, I, was th- I was thinking about how, so the kids, the kids often when we ask them questions about how, you know, how, how things can happen, how God can, how, say, you know, um, how the whole world can be loved, right? Well, it's, it's easy. The answer is easy. It's because God, God can do it, right? God can do anything right? The answer, is, the answer is often God, well, God can just do what he wants because he's God. He's God, he can do what he wants, right? Um, and God can save the world because he wants to. God can overcome death because he wants to. He's got this divine power to do that, right? Um, but that is not enough. Think about all of the other divinities that the world talks about, thinks about. Take Greek mythology, for instance, right? in in greek mythology in the greek pantheon you have this vast array of very powerful deities right who are re- all related to one another and doing various things but what's the what what characterizes their relationship to one another their, their use of power and their and their and their understanding of death what characterizes it they're all they're all really selfish right so even the sort of the fundamental story of you know, Father Time killing all of his sons until Zeus comes along and kills his father, right? There's um, this conflict between the divinity, uh, among the divinity, okay? What's different in Christianity, what's different about the story that you have in the Bible is not just that it's a story about God redeeming the world or a story about God confronting death, but it's a story about God's love, the love of the Father for the Son, enduring death, and then finding its fulfillment not in that moment of death, but in resurrection. Right? So every other story has to end with death. And that death is always the result of, you know, selfishness and this power struggle. Death in this story is because the Father loves the Son. Um... And then the fulfillment of that love is in the fact that the Father then raises the Son from the dead. Not just because he can, not just because he's powerful, not just because he's God, but because this is, this is what love looks like, right? This is, this is what God is impelled to do by the Holy Spirit. So now, spin this all the way around. We have on the one hand... Love stories in the world, which find, which you know, at their best, can end in death. And then we have um, the divine story in the Bible, in which death is overcome by love, and and a love which um, is is exactly the kind of love that you are created to to love with. Where's the intersection of these? So, I was thinking about. Um, how it's easy to be really skeptical about love. It's really easy to to say, um, you know, everybody's going to die, or um, it's not real love. Everybody's just being selfish. Everybody's just after their own good anyways. You know, even if it seems like you love somebody, you finally are just pursuing your own, right? You're just just after your own. Um, It's really easy to be skeptical of that, in that way. But there are times when we see love really, truly, Expressed, right? It does happen. And it especially happens um, in the Bible, in really uh, profound ways. So take, for instance, the story in Luke chapter 7 of the woman who comes and anoints Jesus's, uh, washes Jesus's feet with her tears and her hair, right? You know how this story goes. She, they're in the house of Simon the Pharisee, and they, they she's a sinner. Why are you letting her touch you? Um, Jesus says, I came in here and nobody anointed my feet and did anything kind to me. I wasn't given a kiss. And yet this woman has not stopped kissing me. And what does Jesus say about her? He says, she loves much. Right? So right there, there alone, you have this. this is, it's possible. Right? It happens. You can love. In, and Jesus commends it. Jesus says it's, it happened. She loves much. Why? For she has been forgiven much. Right? So, the it's really it's really tempting to to to, to sort of evaluate love and say we got to try harder to get outside of ourselves and love one another and um, and love God and just sort of you know uh, push harder do it do it better um, but that's not the way that's not the way it happens that's not how death is overcome right death does death is not overcome that way. Um, it happens in proportion to the forgiveness you've received, right? And I think it's, it's such an utterly hopeful thing um, in, a, in, a, in a world where either you have to ignore the reality of death or assert power to love for love, which it just doesn't have. Love can't do it. Love can't hack it, right? So either you come to terms with those things and just move on, or you say, wait a minute, here, God, who is love, Himself is saying of this individual person, she's got it, she's doing it, she's loving. Um, and it's, it's such a hopeful thing because he, it's the same thing that He says about you, right? Um, he says, and then and then He and then He transfers it to Himself, right? So you love one another in proportion to how much you've been forgiven, which if you didn't know this, is a lot, right? Um, and then he says on the last day, right, separating the the uh, sheep and the goats, right, he says to those who will enter, he says, um, all these things that you did for those people, all of the love that you actually showed, which you did, you did it, you loved them, all of that love, you actually loved me, right? Um, Any questions? Right. And it's, it's something, so the love that continues on is something, this is what I really want you to take home, is something much more than this sentiment that our love can overcome our situation. Right? It's, it's, that's, that's silly. It's just not true. That that is that's right. It's, it's this understanding that the love with which you love your beloved and the love by which they love you back is actually God's love. And so it's perfect. It's perfect. Um, that, that lets you encounter death and, and uh, look forward to the resurrection because what's the end of the story? Where does love find its, its fulfillment? Where is love realized? Not, at, not in the grave. Right, not in the grave, that, you know, um, do not awaken do not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. where is it not in not while it's sleeping, but in the resurrection? Okay, we should go. Um, all right, and else you have any questions, any more questions? Let's pray. forever and ever. Amen. Come back next week.